Good morning, Nashville. We have a special episode for you today. Episode number 25 of About Nashville. I am Mike Rogers. Uh, today we have the the the, the famous uh, Stevo, the comedian, the, the the jackass star, the man, the guy, the guy is cool as everything. Um, I I went to his show uh, last night and uh, saw it at, at Zany's, and it was amazing. Uh, I got a fantastic interview. We had a fantastic talk. You got to go see it, guys. He is hilarious. He is absolutely hilarious, uh, and he didn't catch himself on fire. Uh, he didn't blow himself up. Um, he, uh, he, he, was, he, was just, he was just funny. He was just funny. He sat there and told uh, great jokes, great stories, and uh, it, was, it was highly, highly entertaining. Um, if you get the chance while you are in or around Nashville right now, make, make yourself uh, stop Go and get tickets. Let me tell you what the guy signed. He sat. He sat there in line for over an hour and signed every single autograph in the entire entire place. Took a picture with every single person uh, that was there at uh, at the at his comedy show. So uh, he will be performing again uh, tonight at um, seven o'clock. He'll have a seven o'clock show and he'll have a nine thirty show. Uh, the tickets are twenty five dollars. Uh, he is also performing Saturday. With he will have a seven o'clock show and a nine thirty show on Saturday, July thirtieth. Uh, the tickets are also twenty five dollars. Um, and on Sunday, he will have one show, one show only, July thirty first at seven thirty p.m. for twenty two dollars. Um, be sure to 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 go to Zany's and um, to to check out this show. And if you don't know. Uh, exactly where where Zanies is at. They're at 2025 8th Avenue South, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, 37204, where you can where you can see all things Zanies, all things funny. Um, what can I say? What more can I say uh, about this interview? Um, it, I can tell you this, and uh, the guy was straight up real with me uh, when when um, I wasn't sure honestly what I was gonna get with the interview. I didn't know, I didn't know if he was going to be performing, uh, the entire time that we talked. I didn't know if he was going to be running bits on me. I didn't know if he was going to share with me who he really was, or if he was going to be in the mood to, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't really know what I was going to get into. Uh, but then when we just started talking, the guy's as real as it comes. Um, you know, and he's, he's honest, he's brutally honest about a lot of things, about his life, about his situations, about his, uh, uh, you know, why he does comedy and, uh, and, and why he became Steve-O, why he, why he seeks attention, uh, in the way that he does it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, um, it, it was a very enlightening interview to say the least. And, uh, one I'm very proud of. Um, so, uh, Crazy, crazy. Uh, I know this is uh, not Tuesday. It's uh, Friday morning, but I I was excited. I wanted to get this out there to you. Um, so uh, fasten your seatbelts, guys, and uh, <laughs> you know the words. Uh, let's do this thing. Well, I'm a knockout fighter with a kick 
Honky Tonk Hitman. Welcome to About Nashville with your host, the Honky Tonk Hitman, Mike Rogers. Throw down some more skilled stuff, man. <laughs> Speaking of skilled stuff, dude. Skills, yeah. I, circus skills. I am freaking out over your your. You have got cat like freaking coordination. <laughs> what the fuck? Ha <laughs> Where did that come from? I mean, literally, like, have you been like that since you were like three? Ah. Uh, well, hey, thanks for the kind words. I always love a good compliment. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm that coordinated. I just think that I'm just such like a diehard through and through attention whore that uh, it was just it, what came naturally wasn't the coordination, but the inclination to really like practice different like skills and, and stuff like to seek the attention that I crave so desperately. Oh, well, so that's really what it is. Is not that I'm naturally talented, but just that I'm I'm just so uh, needy for for attention that uh, that I just put in the work. Have you always been that way? Yeah, man, for sure, dude. Like, whatever, like, neglect issues, uh, you know, <laughs> came from having, like, successful alcoholic parents. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever it is. There's something going on there, but... Uh, so your dad, uh, he, he he was uh, Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Pepsi-Cola, yeah. Pepsi-Cola? And, and I mean, worked for Pepsi-Cola, uh, R.J. Reynolds Tobacco, Nabisco, Campbell Soup, Del Monte, canned food, foods or whatever, canned fruits. Uh, what else did he work for? Um, Campbell Soup, I said... Whatever. It was just, I guess that might have Procter & Gamble is where he started out. I don't know. He worked for a lot of different American multinational corporations, and he headed up their international divisions, which was why I grew up in five different countries. I was born in England, moved to Brazil, spoke my first words there. When I was two years old, moved to uh, Venezuela. I spoke Spanish in nursery school there. And then I moved to Connecticut when I was four, and I did kindergarten there. And then first grade, moved to Miami. Then when I was like nine years old, I moved to London, England. And when I was 12 years old, I moved to Toronto. I lived in Canada. And I was still 13. I moved back to London, England. And I was there for all four years of high school. How many how many languages do you speak? I spoke three languages by the age of three, but I forgot to completely by the age of five. Which, on one hand, kind of makes me feel like an idiot. Um, but <laughs> and you learned English again when? <laughs> I, I, I learned English when I was four. I think, I don't know, maybe my parents probably had me speaking some kind of English like uh, before that. But, um, but yeah, they, and I'm, I feel like mildly resentful, maybe a little more than mildly. I feel resentful to, towards my parents for, for not uh, keeping me to speak. It's great when, you know, mm. I mean, sure, let Portuguese go. Who gives a fuck about Portuguese? But, but Spanish is like some useful shit, man. Uh-huh. Like they could have, they could have like, had, they, they could have made it fun. In the household, they could have been like, hey, you know, let's keep Steve's Spanish going, you know, like, um, and they didn't. And so now I'm going to be like, yeah, I learned all these languages when I was a kid and I forgot two of them. And it, it does fucking make me feel like an idiot. But at the same time, I know that for 
uh, for toddlers, for, for children to learn multiple languages, you know, at a very young age. I mean, A, of course, it's easier to learn languages at, at that young age. But also, uh, apparently, and I believe this to be true, um, being becoming bilingual or multilingual, mm. it, it, it develops more of your brain. So, so you, you could definitely, even if you forget the languages like I did, from what I understand, um, you access more parts of your brain, like more of your brain. So, mm-hmm. so you're somehow more capable of a human being. Let me ask you this. So, so you, were you just make, being facetious when you said both your parents were alcoholics? Not both. Dad was a problem drinker. Mom was a chronic as serious as, <laughs> as it gets. Like mom's whole side of the family was so fucking bad. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, like everybody, again, I'm not really exaggerating. I don't think, uh, maybe like I've got a, I don't know, maybe there's a couple cousins that aren't, like, really dying. But pretty much, like, <laughs> pretty much, like, everybody on my mom's side of the family uh, is, like, already dead or, like, actively dying of alcoholism. It's, like, generally, like, maybe I'll allow for a couple exceptions, but that's pretty much, the, like, every leaf on the tree. Okay, so so I quit drink. Are you, so how long have you been sober? Eight years. Okay, so I, I quit drinking eight months ago and um, not because I had a problem or anything like that. That's the first question I always get. So so you have a problem. I'm like, fuck no, I just quit. I'm like, (laughs) I just decided to quit. Um, And, uh, but have you noticed that, that people like now that you don't drink or do things that they want to try to entice you to do it more? Uh, Not really, man. And that's kind of a function of who you surround yourself with. I mean, I take my sobriety like super seriously. And um, for the first two years, I was either in uh, a psych ward, a rehab, or a halfway house. Like, I stayed, uh, you know, living in a sober living, like, halfway house uh, until I had two full years of sobriety. Uh, And I'm really grateful that I did that because that gave me, like, all kinds of structure and support and discipline that I otherwise wouldn't have. You... you remind me of, and I'm going to explain this whenever I, because you're going to like, what, what, what the fuck are you talking about? You, you kind of remind me of Evil Knievel when you move around. And, and, oh and, yeah, I'll take that, man. That sounds good. Well, because because <laughs> my shit's so broken. <laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to say that as politely as 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 possible. You you have these cat like this coordination of a cat, but yet you can tell that you've you've been banged up a bunch. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I was just saying, it might have been this morning. It might have been this morning. It might have been, like, in the last couple of days. I'm not sure. But I really, like, made the note that, that uh, you know, my my stock answer, my, my quick, like, sort of, you know, impulse is, like, to say, when people ask me, do I have permanent damage, to, uh, to tell people that um, I'm in shockingly good condition given everything I've been through. Um, and, and just, like... Maybe this morning I was like, you know, I might stop saying that because it can be catching up to me a little bit. Of course, I, I'm, I'm a little bit banged up at this point because um, I, I got this uh, crazy idea to build porta potties made out of wood and sit on the roof of them while a car crashes through them, <laughs> which I did. And I found it to be too easy. It was kind of anticlimactic. So I was like, okay, well, what am I actually going to do now? I'm going to stand on a skateboard on top of a wooden outhouse and then have the car crash through it. Like 35 miles an hour is actually fast as fuck. Like, like yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so 35 miles an hour, the car crashes through it. And, um, and so then it knocks it out from underneath me. And then I'm standing on the skateboard. And my job is to fall away to the ground and land on the board properly. 
but the board got away from me and uh and so I, I fucked up my ankle and i banged up my hip and my shoulder um i actually don't know how i got so injured just from those two falls you are a cat but uh you're a cat you got nine lives Maybe a little bit, but now I'm like, I got to go back out. I got to go back out and build more porta potties and, and, and do it so that it works correctly. Go. Oh, um, God. So you're just, you're not going to give it up. You're like, I got to do it. I'm I, just, gotta I, just, do. I just have to do it, man. Uh, I really got to. Uh, and I'm excited about it, too. I'm like super, super excited about the prospect of, uh, of landing it. But, but now what that means that I have to do is really crouch down while I'm on top of the porta potty. I got to crouch down. I got to grab that board because it's going to get away from me if I don't. And I have to hold on to it with, with my hand so then when, and, and be holding it when the car blows out the porta potty and just kind of hold on to it, tuck it, kind of tweak it out like a skateboarder does in the air, <laughs> kind of style it out a little bit, and then plop it down and land on it. Uh, but the thing is that preparing for that, like I've kind of set my board up on various things and and set it up and kind of like get into that motion of like mm -hmm. what it's going to be like and kind of trying to practice and and uh and prepare for it and what i'm finding from the exercise of just crouching down to grab the board uh -huh. that like wow my body feels like a piece of garbage i should just get into yoga right like isn't that the ticket i mean people say such good things about yoga i, I don't know i I, I'm, I gotta do something i need to do something because i've got like precisely like like one month sub minus one day, whatever it is, it's August 27th, unless we do it on the 28th, Saturday or Sunday. Or those well, are why are you, what are you counting down? Those are, that's the day when we've got the facility, like uh, where, oh, okay. where I'm not on the road doing comedy dates. Uh -huh. And, uh, and, and, it, and then it's a week, it's gotta be on a weekday because the, the, the facility that's letting us crash cars <laughs> on their, on their property has neighbors. They have neighbors there that, that are business days. Okay. You know? And so they want me to do it on the weekend. Holy shit. It's pretty cool. I've got the legend Danny Way driving the car. Uh -huh. Like, uh, he's the, he's a legendary skateboarder who jumped over the Great Wall of China on uh -huh. a skateboard. He jumped out of a skate, uh, out of a helicopter. Like, he's just done a million things. He's in the Guinness Book of World Record for not only um, the highest air ever done and landed on a skateboard, but also the longest air. And which he did consecutively. He 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 did the longest air that has ever been done on a skateboard, and it just happened to be a backside 360. He did a three, 360 degree revolution, 75 feet long, which is longer than anybody's ever landed a skateboard jump. Oh, and when he man. landed, when he landed that 75 foot long backside 360 air, he rolled directly into the highest air that has ever been done. He did them back to back without setting foot off the skateboard, and the, the highest air. Um, was 23 and a half feet above the top of the ramp, even though he just broke his own record like in the last year and, and did a uh, significantly higher air. Damn. Yeah, so Danny Way, and, and it's so significant too because we're both the same age. We're both 42. Uh -huh. he, he became a professional skateboarder when he was 14. And um, when, I, when we were both 15, like, uh, you know, I, I was riding a Danny Way pro model skateboard. Oh, you know, God. and now we're buddies and he's like, you know, like we're doing all this crazy stuff together and it's really cool. So, so are you as, I, I, obviously, I know I'm fixing to ask a, a, a rhetorical question because I already think I already know the answer. So I'm, I'm taking it that you, you're probably semi-pro skateboarder. No, uh, not at all. I um, definitely grew up on a skateboard. I lacked the natural talent to pursue a career as a professional skateboarder, which uh, is sort of a blessing, a real blessing, because skateboarding brought me to the video camera, and being the attention whore that I am, I fell in love with the video camera, 
but like, and not, like I just wasn't good enough. And, I, and if I did try to pursue as a career as a skateboarder, I would have been a needle in a haystack and I wouldn't have yeah. stuck out. And I, I and, think you would have stuck out. I think well, you did, you're at Steve-O. You would have stuck out at anything you did, man. Yeah, perhaps. And, and, and I'll take that as a compliment too, uh, gratefully. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the skateboard brought me to the video camera and I just clutched onto it and, 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 uh, and, and there you have it, man. I just found other stuff to do. Did you ever play any instruments growing up? Nah, man. No, uh, no I, musical I, talent? No, my dad was just super homophobic, and that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so he's... What's he's that? A flesh flute. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ah. Uh, um, so, so the, while, while we have a quick lull right there, I want to point out to everybody that um, I am in Nashville. I am performing at Zany's. Um, Tonight, which is Friday, um, two shows tomorrow night, which is Saturday. And Today's Thursday. Right. You're, you're going to be here. Day, be, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, fuck, I don't know. It's like back to the future shit. Yeah. Yes. I'm so like, I'm so like right. hyper aware of like how like things I like. I'm not even like, like really engaged in my own personal experience of life. I'm so hyper focused on how like on the reception of it and, like, sure the, you know sure it's okay like, so for us it's thursday right 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 I, i'm like i have crawled into the head of the people i feel are listening <laughs> to this and i'm just like this is how i live it's a depressing ass existence man when you're so fucking hyper concerned with like the uh you know the approval the validation the this external fucking you know, i get like, it it's so about like everybody else and what they think of me. I'm so overly concerned with the opinions of others. Sure. Do you have I'm anxiety? Essentially, I'm essentially doomed to a miserable existence <laughs> because like your happiness has to come from within. And, right. And, and like, it's just not fucking healthy to be so obsessed with, uh, with everybody else and their opinions and their thoughts. You know? I, 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 maybe that's where I, I have so much anxiety myself, but I, you don't appear to be the way I'm anxious. I like, I, 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 I've got, I've got some healthy anxiety. I had a therapist that really like pressured me into, uh, getting on this fucking Zoloft shit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I can't even really say that I felt like, like, uh, any different. Um, but uh, I stopped fucking taking that. I'm so glad that I'm free of, uh, Make you feel numb. psych meds. Numb you I never felt numb, but, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just whack. Yeah. I think that, um, like, uh, we could have a whole conversation about the, the prescription, the pharmace <laughs> pharmaceutical drug industry. Do you have ADHD? Uh, what the fuck is ADHD? ADHD, bipolar, fucking anxiety. Like, these are all fucking such, like, subjective fucking non-clinical terms, you know? <laughs> like... It's just stupid, man. I just feel like the the it's just just stupid fucking hype to sell drugs, man. With your you know, and what, what it all what it all points to is a lack of faith, man. You know, it all points to a lack of a fucking connection with the power greater than ourselves. Okay. Which I confess. Are you? Having. Are you? Oh, okay. I, I was. That's where I was heading with this. So you're a religious you know, man? I'm not religious at all. I mean, like, uh, it's kind of a stock, like, kind of bullshit thing to say. Like, oh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Um, so rather than just jump on that bandwagon of, of, uh, of schmucks who say, I'm not religious, but I'm a spiritual person, I'd rather like qualify it by saying that, um, that uh, I'm not, part not particularly spiritual. I, I recognize the importance of, of living a life that, uh, that isn't um, sort of, uh, you know, 
shameful, you know? Like, I, I recognize I don't want to be, like, uh, racked with guilt, shame, remorse, regret. Like, uh, those are not, like, feelings that I want to really cultivate and manufacture. Um, beyond that, I, you know, like, am I spiritual? Like, I've dabbled in meditation. Like, I've gone through phases have been, like, really... Uh, good about it and felt that it helped you know like lately i've been fucking terrible you know even though like i, I kind of gave it a shot today which had made me feel a little bit good um i'd like how spiritual am i beyond that you know like you know being a uh, a sober alcoholic in recovery kind of like a little bit requires a certain level of spirituality you know which i would say the definition of being spiritual is to be in the practice of concerning yourself with the needs of others rather than just being 100% selfish and self-centered at all times, which is my given natural nature. You know? <laughs> well, why? What do you say? That's all because, entertainers? Like, uh, not all entertainers, but certainly like that's a, a component of alcoholism. You know, like oh. um, they say that uh, alcoholism is essentially like you know, a disease that's based on, you know, it's centered in the mind and, and uh, selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of all of our troubles. Um, so, like, that's why, like, recovery Damn, deep. recovery from alcoholism is all about staying sober by helping the next guy get sober. And, like, you know, we have our, you know, sort of steps, you know, our 12 steps, and, and it's all about going through them just for the purpose of taking another man through them. Did you ever have to cut man. any of your friends out of your life because of that? Well, yeah, of course. Uh there's certain people, I mean, you got to look, when you get sober, you got to look at your relationships and you have to determine, uh, it, it, like on, on a case by case basis, you have to look at your relationships and ask yourself, do I have a legitimate purpose for being in this relationship with this person? Like, does this relationship, uh, like revolve around getting loaded? Like, is there a legitimate reason for me to stay, you know, sort of actively in this relationship and if the answer is no there's not a le legitimate purpose then yeah you got to cut that person out the good news is that when you do get sober and you're serious about it you find that the people who are negative influences they just fuck off <laughs> you know, right they just, they just slip away because once once you once you're serious about sobriety people who only care about getting loaded like they don't want anything to do with you like you, you are no longer fun they can no longer get shit out of you and uh, they really very quickly disappear. Um, there's only one guy who it was important for me and really difficult for me to, to cut out. And uh, that guy has since gotten sober himself. And, and I consider him, you know, except for this guy right here, like my best friend in the world. And that guy right there is the, the fucking international star in his own right, Scott Randolph. Scott Randolph. Fucking, yeah. I brought him on the road with me. Um, first trip we went on was to Chattanooga, Tennessee. This was in uh, January of 2014. And I had just gotten out of sex addict rehab. And uh, and I, I called him up. And I was like, <laughs> Wait a hey, minute. You were in sex addict rehab? I was in sex addict rehab. That'd be a yeah. great place to pick up chicks. Uh, it was only dudes in, the, where, in, <laughs> in, in my thing. But, um, <laughs> so, and, and, and I was like, man, I'm really, I really want to be serious about sexual sobriety because it's important to me to... Uh, learn how to be in a healthy relationship because I think that future happiness is really dependent on me sort of learning how to stop fucking around and, and be like a, a serious guy in a serious and healthy committed relationship and uh, so it was very important to me to like stop fooling around with girls on the road and so you were just like a serial fucker? I'm more about just trying to get my dick sucked <laughs> <laughs> Because a lot of stress comes with having sex with everybody, you know? Like, I didn't want to, like, get stressed out over shit. 
Um, I felt like just getting my dick sucked was, was the better way to go. Um, but, uh, safer anyway. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and so, but, but it's just so difficult when you're on the road constantly and like, you know, your job is to go to places where people are congregating to adore you essentially. I mean, sure. at the risk of sounding kind of douchey and self-important, that's really what happens here. You know, and after every show I do meet and greet with the crowd. And so now it's like people line up after the show to wait their turn to take a photo with me. And like, historically that was something I considered to be an audition process to determine who the lucky winner who got to suck my dick would be, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so in order for me to continue doing that, like it was important. And I reached out to Scott Randolph and I was like, Hey man, like, can you come with me on a trip to Chattanooga, Tennessee? Like, um, and uh, just, just fucking cock block for me. <laughs> <laughs> so he started as a cock blocker. And, uh, you know, like over, over the, uh, uh, you know, the last two and a half years, we've both, um, like really like pursued our, our spiritual growth in our programs of recovery, which have addressed not only just substance abuse, but sexual acting out. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you think there's a, they tie together, you think possibly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anything that, that, uh, is soothing and, and, uh, provides comfort to uh, people who's, natural disposition is to be restless, irritable, and discontent. You know, it's like anything that makes me feel better. And that's food, that's sex, that's, uh, you know, obsession with fame and attention. Sure. Um, yeah, all that stuff is all dangerous shit. Um, but now, of course, like Scott and I, like no longer are, are as rigid in our programs of sexual recovery as we have been. So that, <laughs> that meet and greet line is, uh, Ripe with opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so for my listeners out there, what he's telling you is stand in line. I will have to say this. <laughs> stand in line. He's picking. He's picking and choosing. I'm telling you. I mean, you. whatever, dude. It's all like it's all good. Like I, I, I think, uh, you know, we can kid around about it. And and the reality is, if like a super hot chick comes through the line and and uh, and she's down, you know, to just hang out and see what happens. Like you this know, just became an advertisement for dick sucking. <laughs> I do whatever, but oh. sure. We'll see what happens. Oh, his face is red. <laughs> That's going to play so terribly on the, on the podcast. But Who cares? I'm telling you, right? Right? That Who is cares? hilarious. Because it's, here's the thing, and why I really kind of don't care, is just because like, I think the word is jaded. Like I worked so fucking hard in therapy for so long. I did all this like effort, and I, and, I, and I got into a relationship, and it was just like, and it just... All these other issues just fucking torpedoed it, and and that was the one relationship. And then I, I tried again, and uh, and that relationship fell apart. And it was just like, man, like I'm really, uh, what do you call it, disenchanted. I'm just fucking like, <laughs> I'm bummed, man. And I'm just thinking, like, dude, like maybe I'm just not supposed to. So I mean, I guess like at the moment, I classify myself as taking a break from being fucking serious about trying to be in a relationship and uh and all I'm just settling at this point for being a mature responsible honest forthcoming adult uh you know like as long as I'm not lying to people as long as I'm not harming people as long as I'm not misleading people then fuck it you know if anybody wants to have a a very casual like mature and responsible safe fucking 
playtime event in my hotel. There is no problem with that <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I know. Scott Randolph says, go ahead and give him the address. <laughs> give me the address right now. It's God, It's goddamn Zanies. <laughs> Zanies. And, and I got two shows uh, at 7 and 9.30. That is tonight, which is Friday. And tomorrow, uh, Saturday. What, what is your? What are you? You're playing through Sunday too, aren't you? I have, yeah. T- Saturday's all set. That's pretty much sold out already. That's why it was so important to me that you uh, get this out. Friday. Okay. Like I mean, Friday's gonna look good as well. I mean, but the, the, but there's space on Friday, you know. Okay. Um, and uh, of course, then there's Sunday as well. But like, I, I really rarely worry about the Sunday ones because. Um, the over the course of the weekend doing six shows and 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 doing that photo line where i meet and greet and, and i send everybody home with the photo like everybody kind of posts that photo on their social media and mm-hmm. so it, it creates an awareness of the fact that i'm in town and I, by the time sunday rolls around i think like uh that awareness has sort of reached a level that uh that sunday just kind of takes care of itself I, i've seen a lot of shows and i got i got to admit you you were like the Garth Brooks of comedians out oh, there. Yeah, yeah Garth <laughs> Garth was world famous for like he. It didn't matter. He there was one time uh, at one of the fanfares that we had here for twenty four hours straight. He didn't even go to bed or anything. He just signed autographs in the line. He was like, uh, as right, long okay. as they're there, he's gonna sign them. Okay. And 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 I'd never seen you know. And, and it was just the most amazing thing in the world. That's why he has such a huge or had or still does. Had such a huge legion of fans. You know, they would say loyal to him because he was so uh, he was so uh, he was so to loyal to them. And that's why. And, and and you you were like the same thing out there. You're like, uh, I am going to stand out there and well, sign sure. everything and. And take a picture I, with everybody. I, I think anybody who doesn't do that is is just an idiot because uh, I've seen people not even come out at all. Sure. Hey, man. You know, and those people. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, like by by taking that time and making sure someone has a photo with you and then they can share it. Like all of a sudden, they feel like they have a relationship with you. You know, mm-hmm. and like you've really like taken that. You know, you, you've you've established a relationship with them is what you've done, and um, you've got like more like someone who's really like like kind of committed to supporting you in your career man like um and especially for a guy like me who's known for like silly jackass stunts and and been working really hard to establish himself as a comedian uh it's so important to do that you know it's kind of like grassroots promotion that serves to help me kind of cross that bridge to like being established as a comedian and uh and and like that's just it's it's invaluable and of course like the meet and greet is is uh I mean, it's work, you know. But, the the, the um, gravel so in your voice—is uh, that from smoking or what? What, what is uh, that? I'm from? not even sure. I really don't know. Is that from the 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 swallowing condom? What the hell? Uh, what did that? It, it could be any number of things, man. Like I think that uh, just generally shitty living. I think that like in the world of uh, of uh, like vocal coaches or whatever, I think it would be called poor vocal hygiene. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm not even sure what the hell that meant. So comedy. How did you get into comedy? Because I'm going to tell you another thing is I've interviewed a bunch of comedians and and all of them seem to have uh, an, a darkness. And, and, and it's like you walked oh, out of this yeah. darkness and made it light uh, and, and well, like like a comedian, which is. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. So uh, how did you gravitate toward comedy? Is that I, I uh, definitely relate with the darkness 
thing. There's there's all kinds of darkness going on with me. Um, I think that like everything I described about being an attention whore. There's something like about getting on stage in front of, you know, a large crowd of people, just alone, burying your soul, talking into a microphone, and and basically just, it's just like desperately. Uh, just begging for that the the validation the approval the adoration of the crowd there's just something about like the act of getting on stage to do that that is really indicative of pure self-hatred you know there's something about like <laughs> self-deprecating there's just just, something yeah. about there's some there's something about the act of getting on stage to do stand-up comedy that really indicates a feel a lack of self-esteem like a, a, sure. a feeling of like of uh worthlessness on some level like i am not enough i am not okay like i need to get up like i'm a, like i will only be okay if i get on that stage and the crowd makes me feel okay right right because in and of myself i am not good enough well <laughs> you know? so that you know that's a, that's a good point and and when you're up there you're burying your soul. You're burying your heart. You're putting everything right. out there. It makes you vulnerable. So have you ever had a bad night where you thought, what the fuck am I doing? Uh, well, this is yeah, I mean, shit. You know, like, like you can tell a joke. You can uh, tell a story that, that uh, one night is like the greatest thing that ever happened and then turn around and, and tell it the same way to another crowd and, and have it and just feel like, wow, like, like what am I even doing? Like, I, I question everything about my, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, and, and there, there it is, is that when you're at the mercy of external sources for your feelings of self-worth, like uh, you really put yourself in a precarious situation. Have you ever been to Nashville before? Is this your first time? This is my third time uh, doing a full weekend at Zany's here in Nashville, yeah. Really? Yeah, and, you know, and about me doing comedy, it's really... Um, uh, it, it's a fortunate thing for me that I have a, a built-in audience of people who are familiar with what I've done and even like aspects of my personal life because uh you know a lot of comedians you know you might know their jokes but people actually like have kind of a sense of uh of who I am and what I've done and they're interested in it so I, I kind of come into it with like a, a fairly distinct advantage that uh you know that I've already connected with the audience before I get on stage sure and, um, and I'm I'm pretty adept at, at taking full advantage of uh, of my personal experience in life and 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 um, just utterly shameless and and reckless in what I'm willing to admit. Um, and and I've got like just a keen sense of what is versus what is not entertaining. So uh, I feel you know, and, and I'll stop blowing smoke up my own ass in, in a moment here. But uh, I really feel like um, it's better than putting a firecracker in it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm pretty good at not wasting people's time, man. And it was really cool. I, I really appreciated seeing you during the show. I thought, man, the, here's this guy, and he's alone at this table. Like, I wonder, like, did his chick bail on him? Or, like, <laughs> what, you know? And I was, like, I was perplexed because, it went, like, comedians were able to, like, sort of be in the middle of a bit and, and kind of, like, telling jokes, but also thinking, like, a hundred other things at the same time. Uh -huh. One of which was, what's this guy's story? This guy's sharp-dressed dude wearing a suit alone at the table it looks like someone may have been with them and they left or something <laughs> but like but at the same time what, what made it what made it interesting to me 
like uh, sort of observing you in, in the front row there was that it was just evident that you could not have cared less if there was somebody with you at the table or if they were there or if they were supposed to be there or if they had left. You were just having a great time. And, like, and I just noticed that in the crowd, man. Like I noticed when people are uh, sort of uh, emoting joy and uh and, and it was great man i really appreciate it. you're a great audience member dude your show did it brought me a ton of joy uh and and i've got i cannot wait for the listeners to hear this they've got to come to this show here at zany's they've got to come see you uh today and saturday and sunday whenever they can get in here to see you they've got to see you because man, you know the, the other thing too and i know i said that i would do this for like 20 minutes and i feel like we're like 40 minutes, <laughs> which, is great, which is great you know and uh and I was even going to say that at the beginning. I was like, yeah, you know, it like, it, it like uh, you've got 20 minutes unless like we have a good time. You uh-huh. know? And the other thing I felt when we started this podcast was like, oh, man, great. Here it goes. Like, it's just going to be like sort of like a cookie cutter of like like interesting facts about me and my dad and like my sort of childhood and my opinion. And there's nothing really new. But like ultimately, like that really like kind of served as an introduction. And, and very quickly, I think we went into like a bunch of kind of uh, – like a conversation and a material that like really hasn't been uh, been touched on, and so well, I appreciate it's, that. Uh, it's, Thanks, man. It's cool that you got like um, a, a, a unique and original uh, conversation out of me, man. And um, and and again, I really appreciate how uh, how you approached it. You know, like really, you know, a lot of people like you know, we were joking around before. I'm like, yeah, the fucking most annoying question on the planet is, will you be on my <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Because every fucking dickwad has one. It's every dickwad has one. And it's like, I made myself a rule. I was like, no, I'm not going to be on a podcast unless I've heard of it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but, uh, well, you if know, you ever have a podcast, I will do it. Okay, you don't even have to ask okay, me. I appreciate that a great deal. And uh, and also, I'm really I'm, I'm thankful for the way that you approach it. Because uh, you like you, you really like had a sense for for the timing of when to kind of hit me up for it. Like, uh, and, and you were just patient and, um, and just approached it in, in a way that made it like, made me want to do it. I'm and, like the um, Dexter of podcasts. <laughs> like, and, wait, and wait, what, what? <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been a joy, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, and, uh, wait, when we're getting out of here, would you tell my audience dream big, everybody? Hey everybody, I'm Steve-O and I'm just here to tell you to dream big. <laughs>